today on Doomed! A day, what, uh, seven years in the making? Ladies and gentlemen, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has been arrested. The question on everybody's mind, I guess now, is... Is Assange doomed? We'll be talking about that and also... Russia, Russia, Russia. Weeks removed from the end of the Mueller investigation. Now that we've had mm, some time to, you know, really take it in, uh, at least the bar summary of the Mueller report, at least, we'll talk about what we now know, what we don't know, and the media's coverage of the whole thing in general. And joining me to do all of that, my guest today, Aaron Mate. Contributing writer for the nation, Aaron. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. So you know, I invited you on this show today, basically, um, to talk the Russia Gate, uh, you know, thing, whatever that is. <laughs> but you know, we woke up this morning. At least I woke up this morning, and uh, Julian Assange had been arrested. That's right. So I think we should talk a little bit about that because actually I do think what happened today with Julian Assange yeah. uh, fits into the whole Russiagate thing. And the reason I keep saying thing is because there is multiple things wrapped up in the, Russia, the Russiagate. Conspiracy, scandal, whatever. And mm-hmm. we'll get to that shortly. But the reason I think Assange fits into this is because I think a lot of people really do not understand what's going on here today. Um, I think people woke up, saw Assange was arrested, and because their mind is on Donald Trump, still what happened in 2016, Mueller, Russiagate, they, I saw a lot of people, and not just randos, like legitimate pundits and talking heads and political writers, uh, just automatically talking this morning as if he got wrapped up in some sort of uh, Russia conspiracy, uh, uh, excuse me, Russia scandal, some sort of Russian hacking uh, event. Uh, and that's why he was arrested, which uh, is absolutely not the case here. That's right. He's, uh, if you read his charge sheet, he is uh, indicted on a very thin charge of basically uh, what the indictment calls a password cracking agreement with Chelsea Manning back, uh, you know, almost a decade ago when Chelsea Manning uh, downloaded all these files, you know, uh, depicting and exposing U.S. war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then also diplomatic cables from around the world and gave them to WikiLeaks. And Assange is basically accused not of uh, anything to do with uh, stealing those files, not anything to do with publishing those files, but of basically engaging in, you know, as I said, in a password cracking agreement with Chelsea Manning to basically help her crack a password that could help protect her identity and her ability to download more files. Uh, And the indictment doesn't say that the password cracking attempt was even successful. I think it suggests that it was not successful. And the charge itself carries a maximum penalty of five years. Um, The Obama administration tried very hard to find something to charge Assange with. And, uh, and including looking at this issue, apparently, and they didn't. So it's interesting now to see the Trump administration bring this charge now. And 
the problem for uh, Russiagate promoters on the liberal side is that because Julian Assange exposed emails that made Hillary Clinton and other Democratic elites look bad, uh, now they're in a bind because they want to see Assange arrested and, and put on trial for I don't even know what, but they want to see something happen to take out revenge on him. Uh, but now they're in a so now they're, you know, in a bind where Assange has been arrested, but he's been indicted for something that has nothing to do with even the uh, uh, hacking of Democratic Party emails and, and their publication. And you know, part of the problem here in for their efforts to see that happen is that Robert Mueller investigated all this. He even indicted some Russian military intelligence officers, but he never indicted WikiLeaks. And in fact, he declined opportunities to interview WikiLeaks, which is interesting. And we can discuss what that might mean if you're interested. But so now we're going to see this strange thing where people like Chuck Schumer, Adam Schiff, Rachel Maddow, they're all welcoming the fact that Assange is in custody. Uh, but now they want to see him get, uh, you know, um, indicted for or prosecuted for the Democratic Party emails while still pretending to be a authentic resistance, which means that basically they have to they're basically now co-signing, endorsing Trump's arrest of Julian Assange right. on, these, on these trumped up charges. So it's 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 both sad and, and frightening when you think about the implications for press freedom. But it's it's very bizarre. Right. And I want to really, really drive home here that when this communication uh, between <coughs> Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange took place about covering up Manning's tracks, basically, uh, to try to I believe what they were trying to do is get into another user's account to basically uh, uh, sort of hide the fact that Chelsea Manning was the one who went in and uh, grabbed these files and I want to really, you know, drive home here that Chelsea Manning had already sent the U.S. cables to Julian Assange before this took place. So Assange already had all these cables. It's in the indictment itself. Mm -hmm. The U.S. government says it themselves that Assange already had these cables. So, I mean, we could, we could talk about... This sort of and, and also I think it's interesting to note that the headline of on, on the page that posts the um, the link to the actual uh, PDF file of the indictment um, mm-hmm. says hacking in the title, but I don't believe the indictment at all ever uses the word hacking. And we can we can discuss technically whether cracking is hacking or not. Um, and the and and you know that sounds fun. Is right. cracking hacking? Right, exactly. It rhymes. What am I, Dr. Seuss now? But uh, anyway, uh, you know, the, the idea that this is something that you would extradite in an individual for is, is stunning, actually. Because mm-hmm. if you type in your email address and can't remember your password and start guessing what your password could possibly have been, uh, I mean, technically, that could be wrapped up as cracking. Uh, how many times, literally, I'm sure people here are, grew up with the internet. How many times when you were in school or whatever, did you go, oh, I'm going to try to prank so-and-so and log into his messenger account or whatever. So you tried to get into their email account. Uh, would you have been extradited to another country or faced five years in prison for doing that? Uh, probably not. And listen, I get the added, uh, 
situation, the, the, the situation here, the specific, specific situation here, I should say, where we have a government entity involved. Julian Assange clearly had uh, motives that go beyond the scenarios I just threw out. Uh, I, I think there is an argument to be made that Assange clearly uh, uh, could have possibly uh, broken the law if what he allegedly has done it turns out to be uh, true. But I, I, I don't know if extradition is something that this would fall under. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they throw in there this line that I think they're trying to put in there to suggest that Assange encouraged Manning to... Uh, download more files now of course they acknowledge that this comes after well after Manning has given Assange like hundreds of thousands of, of files already but they say uh, for example on uh, they say at the time he entered into this agreement they're talking about this agreement to crack a password which is unsuccessful apparently Assange knew Manning was providing WikiLeaks with classified records containing national defense information of the US Assange was knowingly receiving such classified records from Manning for the purpose of publicly disclosing them on the WikiLeaks website. For example, on March 7th, 2010, Manning and Assange discussed the value of Guantanamo Bay detainee assessment briefs. And on March 8th, before entering the password cracking agreement, Manning told Assange she was, quote, throwing everything she had on GTF Gitmo at Assange now, unquote. Uh, and uh, blah, 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 blah. And to which Assange replied, curious eyes never run dry in my experience, unquote. Following this, the DOJ says, uh, Manning used a U.S. Department of Defense computer to download the Department of State cables that WikiLeaks later released publicly. So the reason that I read all this is because my read from this section here is that they're trying to suggest that because uh, Assange said to Manning, quote, Curious eyes never run dry in my experience. They're trying to suggest that that is what spurred Chelsea Manning to then download all the files that she downloaded after Assange said that to her. As if that was the, that was the, the spark for getting her to do that. So, I mean, I, reporters, know, reporters, you know, if, if they're contacted by a source and they receive information, it's not out of the ordinary nor illegal for a reporter to go – are you sure you got everything? <clears throat> Want to yeah. double check? I mean, that's essentially what that phrase Assange said uh, essentially yeah. means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the spectacle of what's going on now is really striking because you know what? Even if uh, Assange hadn't been involved in releasing stolen Democratic Party emails, whoever took them, I still think we'd still see people like Chuck Schumer and Adam Schiff, maybe even Rachel Maddow, still cheering on his arrest today. Uh, because w what is Assange really loathed for? I mean, yeah, people hate him because they, they blame him for getting Trump elected. I don't think that's fair, but I but I get at least the, the anger at him for that because, you know, you could argue that the Democratic Party emails maybe played a role in, in some people's votes. I don't think you can say they were decisive, but you could argue that they played a role. But uh, if you're a member of the U.S. political and media elite, you know, the antagonism towards Assange long predates uh, 2016. Uh, Assange has been reviled because he's exposed the U.S. empire. He, he, the Iraq war logs, I mean, had a video uh, of a U.S. helicopter gunship gunning down Iraqi civilians, you know, um, thinking that they were uh, militants, including, and, and, and one, one of them included, included a Reuters cameraman. Uh, right. uh, camp person. 
And so for that, Assange has been the subject of contempt uh, from people in both parties. You know, Hillary Clinton has said horrible things about him. Uh, you know, uh, lib- there was one commentator on Fox News who talked about droning Assange or right. assassinating him. So well before 2016, Assange has been the subject of bipartisan contempt because he exposed U.S. Uh, uh, crimes and corruption and, and its uh, destabilization of countries around the world with those State Department cables uh, that I think were the most significant aspect of all the Manning leaks. Right. And so and so now uh, we have both parties, leaders of both parties, uniting behind his arrest and, and they want to see someone like him punished and they, you know, and because he um, has been so uh, just... Um, principled in in terms of refusing to uh to cater to you know like how how like respectable uh, u.s uh uh institutions and and basically exposing the state department as being you know as being so nefarious around the world i mean he 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 is loathed and so right now we're seeing it's interesting to seeing people who care who claim to, to care about press freedom you know so when Trump tweets something mean about Jim Acosta of CNN, they're up in arms, and we're often hearing about you know comparing Trump to Hitler or Stalin and for his mean things about journalism. Well, here the Trump Justice Department goes you know and and files these charges that that their predecessors couldn't file because they just didn't see a case there, in a bid to punish Assange for uh, for publishing the um, the WikiLeaks the 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 Manning files. And we're seeing both parties cheer. So it's like it's just another vivid display of how narrow the political spectrum actually is, even amongst people who claim to oppose Trump. And it's not just Chuck Schumer and Adam Schiff. It's also leading people on you know, CNN. And I saw David Korn today who works for Mother Jones. He was saying that, well, he was finding ways to defend this arrest of Assange. And right. it's, it, it, it tells us who is really committed to media freedom. And who is really committed to opposing Donald Trump? Right. And I just want to note everything I just said, uh, defending uh, what Assange did with the release of those those cables. Uh, this is coming from someone uh, speaking for myself, who I don't know if I would use the word principle to describe Assange like you did. But I, I think he's an asshole. And I think um, the guy. I'm not talking about his personality. I mean, right. I, you know, I don't I don't really care about his personality. Right. Personally, but it's fine if well, people, you I, know, like. I care about the fact he was accused of sexual assault. And right. That's, and that's serious. And, you know, that should have been investigated. It was investigated. He offered to go to right. Sweden to, to face um, uh, prosecutors. By the way, he was never charged. Right. He, because they he needed to. Wanted, right. They needed he to was wanted for first. questioning. He offered right. to, go to, to go to Sweden. If they could promise him he would not be extradited and to the wouldn't. U.S., which they wouldn't do. So, I mean, whether he's an asshole or not, I, I, I just don't care. You know, right. I, I care about, um, you know, what, is, what his actual actions are and whether this person qualifies as someone deserving of, 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 of media protections. And I think given the fact that he's published the most important leaks of, you know, in many decades, I certainly think he does. Right. And, and I also want to add here, too, that when it comes to the, ca- the U.S. cables that he released— I think his personality doesn't matter at all. But I do think if we're going to go further in the timeline and start talking about uh, 2016 in Russia, mm-hmm. I think clearly Assange the person uh, comes through more so in what he ends up doing than it came through or mattered at all 
during the cable release because I think it would be uh, it's clear as day that Assange, uh, while he released the U.S. cables for uh, in 2010 that uh, Manning had supplied him with for a more noble cause, uh, I think he had some of his own reasons, and and we saw it in the methods in which he released these uh, emails for the DNC emails and the Podesta emails. Yeah, I think you can make that case. I don't know. The problem is, I mean, I don't know what's in his soul, you know, so I don't know exactly what his motives are. I mean, I I know people have some strong feelings about what Assange's motives are, and they think he has this, like, bitter hatred of Hillary Clinton and wanted to destroy her. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Oh, I'm not even talking about that. What I'm talking about is clearly he he had a thing for, for Trump. Uh, he clearly had, if anything, maybe maybe if he didn't even like Trump, that doesn't even matter. He clearly preferred Trump over Hillary. I mean, that's clear as day to me. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm not even sure of that. I, I mean, maybe you're right, honestly, but I just like the problem is I can't co-sign that assertion without like, I think, um, you know, it like without knowing exactly, like without talking to him, which I, I never have. Right. Uh, well, and, I mean, and, I mean, I mean. And, and, he, and, and the fact is, he was given the, the you know, he, like, first of all, I don't even think the emails were that embarrassing, you know, to the Democrats. I mean, they were embarrassing, mm. but like, they, they basically showed what we already knew. Two things. One, the party leadership was biased against Bernie Sanders. We, we knew that. And we knew that Hillary, I mean, the, it did show us that Hillary Clinton said something privately to Wall Street different than what she said in public. Um, right. You know, so that was embarrassing. But, you know, did anybody, did anybody learn from that, like that? Like that Hillary Clinton, like did anybody really need to know, hear those emails to know that the Democratic Party leadership was corrupt, favored, neoliberal candidates and that Hillary Clinton was a corrupt, you know, mendacious neoliberal? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I already knew that, but and so I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing is, I just don't want to um, impute uh, – Assange with motives and like, like like without talking to him and I you know I mean I I think it's fair to say he didn't he doesn't like Hillary Clinton and the Democrats but I also think he got some material it was very explosive and he's a trend you know he he the, the, this is what he does he he publishes right. really interesting well, and the, the, sometimes explosive political material well we could look at we could compare the two uh, releases here the 2010 cables mm-hmm. were were he received them. They did their thing with get, upload them online, get them ready, and they put them all out there. Mm-hmm. The uh, emails were a slow drip meant to take as long as possible to get as much press coverage through the final days of the election. I mean, when you just compare the way they were released, I think we can uh, – I think the assertion is, is a little bit stronger there. All right. Okay. So, but if I'm a WikiLeaks person, you know, my count – what I might say – I mean, I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know. So maybe you're right. Maybe it was strategically timed to inflict as much damage as possible on Hillary or the shit just takes a while. You got to like go through it all. You know, you pick out certain themes. I think they got the, they, they got the Podesta stuff at a different time than they got the DNC stuff, you know, that came afterwards, you know? So I don't know, like, I mean, maybe you're right. Like right. I, I'm not ruling it out, but I just, what I'm uncomfortable with is like the wide, uh, presumptions, like the widespread presumptions about, what Assange's motives are, and I, you know, like, and you know, on Twitter today, like, so many people. Who, well, he was, he was not to interrupt you, but he was, you know, doing. I don't think he would have done this for a president Hillary Clinton. He was in the days following uh, Trump's election, 
WikiLeaks were making very strong hints to the Trump administration to, hey, don't you want to pardon Assange after what he did for you? You know, I think. Well, of course. But yeah. if you're if you're I mean, if that's true, I mean, like, I mean, so you think that they did. But the thing is, do you think that they did this so they could get Assange a pardon? No, by they would have President Trump, because who really thought I mean, do, do you think anyone thought that they could elect President Trump? And you know what? If they were trying to get a if after Trump actually won and they were trying to get a pardon, I mean, look, sure. I mean, if I'm stuck in an, an embassy for five years at that point, whatever it is, and uh, and Trump has declared on the, on the campaign trail, I love WikiLeaks. Yeah, I mean, I might ask Trump for a pardon, you know, right? Like, I don't right. know. You know, what I mean, like, listen, politics are dirty. People do dirty things. And, you know, I'm not going to defend everything Julian Assange has ever done. But I just what I'm uncomfortable with is like turning him into this cartoonish villain where everyone presumes to know what his motives are. I, mean, I don't know what his motives are. Right. Um, well, I, and I, I'd love to hear about more what his motives are. And it would help if he wasn't facing this like harsh uh, extradition attempt, you know, and um, and he wasn't, you know, like portrayed as a cartoon villain or like Russia conspirator or affiliate right. Russian intelligence. Every day on liberal networks and, and in liberal outlets. Right, and before we get, let's let's start segueing into RussiaGate. But I, I do want to say that I, I bring that stuff up to show that you know I have uh, multiple feelings about Julian Assange, uh, and I can still defend him from what's going on today. Uh, I also think that you know if I was, I, in, your, I respect your multiple feelings. I, thank I do. you. Thank I you. Do. Thank you. And uh, I will say, uh-oh, we got some sort of uh, clicking noise going on on your end. Oh, there we go. It just went away. Okay. Um, and I, I will say, though, that it's interesting to me that if I was in Julian Assange's shoes yeah. uh, and I found out that this whole thing was for a maximum five-year sentence, yeah. I would feel pretty silly now having spent seven years inside the Ecuadorian embassy in London. I would probably would have just been like, yeah, five years, I'll serve my time. My time and get it over with. Well, but, you know, I mean, uh, but first of all, you don't know that if, if more charges are not coming, if this is just a first step, you know. From what I understand, though, that um, once they, they, they announce the charges based on the extradition, they can't, like, uh, I'm hearing feedback on your end from me. Oh, okay. Um, from what I understand, from what I read... Um, once the charges are filed for the extradition, they can't add any charges onto that. But I'm assuming once he gets here and that process goes through, I'm guessing they can add things on later on. Um, I think they can. Yeah, right. right <laughs> I think right, they can. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's, and also I, I let's segue into Russia like this, actually. So I actually think that Julian Assange and the reason probably why, uh, Mueller didn't, uh, interview him. Uh, barring the fact that Julian Assange might have just said no. Uh, no, he offered. He offered. No, he offered, yeah. Okay, so I think the reason he had no interest is because I think, um, from what I understand and everything I've seen, my interpretation of everything is that uh, Assange was duped as well. Uh, I don't think he knew that he was uh, getting this in, these emails from Russia I think he actually believed that uh, Guccifer 2.0 was who Guccifer 2.0 said he was. And that's why he stuck with the fact that these were leaks and not hacks. Okay. Well, alternatively, I would posit that I don't think we know for sure that it came from Russia. I just don't. Now, you're a tech guy, so you know the stuff better than 
better than I. Right. To be honest with you, I have not delved too much into this issue. I don't – I'm not like convinced that Russia didn't do it. I, I, if I had to bet, I would say that Rush, that some Russian hackers did it. Not because James Clapper or John Brennan told me that, but because Mueller did lay out this very detailed indictment. And it would be weird if all that indict, if that indictment, with its detailed narrative of how Russians hacked into the DNC and stole emails, it'd be weird if all that was wrong, right? right. So that's why if I if I had to bet at this point, I would bet that it was some Russian hackers. Now, whether or not that means it was actually a part of a uh, Russian operation that John Brennan claims it was, the person ordered by Vladimir Putin, I'm not convinced of that. But um, regardless. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't. I, I'm I'm not convinced that I'm I'm also not convinced that it was Russia because we haven't seen the underlying evidence that the uh, that the the Mueller indictment of those GRU officers is based on. Um, there have been other theories raised, and you know, to be honest with you, I, I've read them. I don't find them personally convincing. But it's like I'm also not a computer expert. I don't get a lot of the jargon. So like, what I would love is if like actual experts debated all this and debated the available evidence and and if we could possibly get more evidence from Mueller, you know, right. which is I think w if we had a functioning media, that's what would be happening. Instead, what happened was the U.S. intelligence community told us at a certain point a after they decided that it was Russia, it took them a while, but after they said it was Russia and then everybody just said, OK, it's Russia. And, that, and we all nodded our heads and said, yes, it's Russia, which is what maybe happens in Soviet Russia when the government says something, everyone believes it. But just because an intelligence chief t says something, I, I just I don't believe it to be true. All the more so when you look at the fact that intelligence officials also told us that the Russians waged this sophisticated social media campaign to sow discord and you know. Uh, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Which is a joke. Which is a, right. which is like honestly, which is one of the biggest jokes I've ever seen in politics because what they're talking about is a clickbait social media firm. So. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, maybe Assange did get played by a Russian government. I, I, I think your theory is very plausible. Right. It's very plausible. Because there's Assange no, there's, got duped. There, there's no. Assange got duped by a Russian government actor posing as someone else. But at the same time, you know, people like there's Assange said it didn't come from the Russian government. Assange has a pretty good record. Maybe he, maybe he's misled. Maybe he's lying. I don't know. But well, it's like, also, I'm not gonna, I'm also, not gonna take. The U.S. intelligence community's claims on faith. He also very strongly uh, hinted that Seth Rich was somehow involved, and I think we can pretty much agree here that that's a conspiratorial by far. It's it's just un unfounded whatsoever. There's just no no legitimacy to that theory at all, in my view. Right. Okay. But that was relatively early on, and that was before the I think the Seth Rich thing had been investigated and debunked, and his family had disavowed it. And so if Assange thinks that he got this from a leaker, then him then, you know, and uh, he might not then at that, that point have ruled out the fact that that initially whoever he got it from got it from Seth Rich, you know, like or he was being irresponsible. You know, that that's quite possible, too. Um, you know, now, certainly. Now, I know your I'm sorry. Uh, I know your feelings about this is that, you know, it could be. And I think that's legitimate. I, I remember. I had a conversation about the whole Russiagate uh, conspiracies and everything over a year ago with uh, Adam Johnson of Citations uh, and, and um, 
we discussed this, and at the time I was saying, you know, if those email hacks turn out to be Russia, as more information was coming out, then in my view, that's a much bigger issue because we were mocking the whole idea of the social media stuff. And again, we'll get to the social media stuff in a second. And I think as more information's come out, included with um, the, the indictments from uh, Mueller, all that combined to me has really convinced me that uh, indeed Russia is involved. Uh, and here's my thing, though. And I'll just qualify that. I'll just quickly say the only information, the only actual information that's come out is Mueller's indictment. Everything else is just claims. Right, which right, is right, different. Right. It's different than information. Right. CrowdStrike, you know, the firm co- uh, contracted by DNC, owned by people who hate Russia, them writing a blog post saying it was Russia is, is not to me evidence. But right, right, I right. will agree with you that, that Mueller's indictment is evidence. I, I, have, I have seen other third-party uh, security firms, not CrowdStrike, debunk the sort of uh this is how this is our proof that it's not russia conspiracies uh for example one major thing was that uh the proof of it being a leak was that the files had metadata attached to them showing that they came from usb drives and the reason this was debunked and this seems like the obvious to me is that the scenario where whoever hacked the files uh, from Russia would have just released them as is, is pretty low. What most likely happened was the hackers or hacker or whoever got access to these files took the information and these files were passed around through numerous different, whether it be on servers, passed around on thumb drives to other agencies, that's how basically that metadata could get overridden, and that's it. how it says USB drive on. See, it. you've already lost me. See, I, I, I've already like you've already <laughs> lost me because I just don't I don't understand this stuff. I just don't, and that's why you know like when I read the counter theory from like Vips, um, like the like uh, Bill Benny and Ray McGovern, uh, people who are I you know like Bill Benny who was a, a, a veteran at the NSA, you know like uh, he, you know really top official there. When he publishes the counter narrative, I don't you know they talk about file management and metadata right. i don't fully get it that's right. why uh, like what i'm saying is i just would like the experts to have a chance to actually debate it instead of uh it coming from either you know like this fringe group of like former intelligence officials vips and then a bunch of uh security firms you know uh, uh third party firms you know like like maybe they're right i don't know right i mean what i do know is that you know the things about like how easy the russians were detected with like the digital fingerprints with with cyrillic um, and and guccifer you know like the guccifer being so kind of goofy and uh releasing things that were separate from what was you know like releasing things after the the initial hack i mean there's all these different theories and the fact that um assange has said and he he said he said that you know there's no doubt that russian government actors have hacked into u.s institutions including the democratic party but what he suggested is that there those who accuse the russians of stealing those specific emails are conflating that hack with a different hack that happened before a hack that for example the, the one that was reported on by the dutch press where they said that the Dutch uh, intelligence service gave over information to the U.S. intelligence service, right. showing the Russians hacking into the State Department like feed of and the DNC, sort. and they had a surveillance camera. So everyone, uh, some people have took that to mean the, the the DNC Democratic Party hack, but actually that was an earlier one. And Assange just suggested that 
there's a conflation going on. Right. Well, there's been know. actually a lot of conflation. In fact, my, my, my view of everything is that the number one detriment to Hillary Clinton, and this is going a little bit off topic now, the, num- the biggest uh, problem for Hillary Clinton, the, the one issue, this all, in my view, everything on top of the other stacked up all hurt her. But the biggest thing, the thing that was the ultimate that pushed it over the edge was an email issue that had nothing to do with Russia. It was Comey coming out, yeah. which had nothing to do with any sort of email hacking, to talk about her private server issue. Yeah. And I think a lot of people conflate Hillary's email issue when they go, but her emails yes. with the DNC emails, with the Podesta emails. And I think it just shows that, you know, th- this is a, one of those issues where, you know, and, and this is why I sort of don't like uh, how Michael Tracy, if we're going to talk about like the whole Russia skeptics who are, who are getting the, 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 the sort of, uh, you know, the adulation uh, for all this. This is why I don't think Michael First Tracy. All, no, no one, no Russia skeptics getting adulation. Trust well, me, I, I can well, tell you that. Well, <laughs> listen, this is why you know I think you were a great person to talk to because when I read your stuff, I knew your feelings on even the Russian email hacks were the same thing I was saying back when I was doing that podcast with Adam Johnson. It was always, you know, it looks likely the Russia hacked the emails, but I need more information. I need to see more information. You know, Michael Tracy and I I also, by the way, don't even really care to be honest with you, because if it's true that the Russians did it, it's only to me imperial hubris and uh, and and um, American exceptionalism that would deem this to be an attack on the United States as so many as it's taken as truth by if you're a Democratic Party partisan or you're on MSNBC, because it's it's still I mean, it's a crime and it's serious. But right now, for example, we're the U.S. trying to overthrow a government in Venezuela, subjecting right. it to some of the harshest sanctions in Washington's history. Uh, you know, uh, trying to install a new government, trying to uh, provoke a military coup, with trying to entice military leaders to rise up. So the fact that we're now still two years later talking about who stole some some emails, and we're talking about it in a way that like deems Russia to be this existential threat. It's really a joke. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, I'd love to know who actually took the emails, like for sure. But I also don't want to uh, to 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 give it the importance that it's been given because it's it's been, I think, massively overblown. But anyway, you were saying well, my, I, I th- you're, you're, yeah, I think you could say that. And I agree with you on all your points. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think we were dis- Adam Johnson and I were talking discussing that same thing about how, you know, the U.S. interferes with elections all over the world and has done it for decades. But I think you can agree with all that and still find this to be uh, something of importance. And I also agree that you can think that it's uh, certainly problematic and troublesome that Russia hacked these emails and did so in an attempt to sway our elections, but also uh, say that the idea that this is an attack on America uh, akin to Pearl Harbor or 9-11 is a yes. joke, is a joke. I, I, I'm totally fine to say that if Russia hacked the emails and put them out uh, in a bid to influence the election, I'm fine to call that problematic. Totally fine. You know, I, <laughs> I, mean, it's I don't think any government should be interfering in, in another government's affairs, you know, uh, election, you know, but um, all the more reason why I think we should stop doing far worse things around the world. Absolutely, absolutely.
And I got off topic here, and I do want to bring up this, you know, because I think, and the reason I bring up Michael Tracy while he's not on the show <laughs> is because he has been hardcore against the idea for, for a long time, not with the nuance you had. He's been hardcore against the idea that the Russians had anything to do with those email hacks. And I don't think that's, I mean, I think he was, I mean, look, look it's hard for me to defend someone else's position because I'm only responsible for my own. Right, but, exactly. You know, I know Michael well. I, I, I like Michael's work. I think, I, I think he's a really important voice. I think he gets uh, attacked really unfairly and I think he gets mischaracterized. And I think what initially what he did uh, almost immediately and like well before I came along is he expressed skepticism of U.S. government claims that Russia did it. And I think he pointed out just like Glenn Greenwald did that we need to see evidence before we take uh, these claims to be truth because part of the problem of this whole Russiagate thing, I mean there's many, but it's like it involved this weird like um, – uh, venerating of intelligence officials as if they're like, you know, beacons of integrity oh, right. and, and God, we all have to, we all have to like bow down to them. Listen to what John Brennan tells us and James Clapper, people who are, who lie to Congress, who kill people around the world, who foment proxy wars in Syria, uh, destroy Libya, you know, on and on. So it's like, I think the point of someone like Michael Tracy was, unless you have a specific thing from him, was it just, we, we don't take claims on faith, we, uh, we, we should see evidence. And, you know, I, I think if you were to ask Michael, I mean, you should ask Michael now if you're interested what his position is. I'm not sure what it is. Well, he's, he's I, definitely, yeah. he's, he's changed now. He went from, he went from denying that the, these hacks were Russia. Uh, and, and listen, I, I be, I'm very, I hate saying the word Russia. I wish there was a better term to say this because I, th I do think it's very worrisome. And it's, I've been saying this for years that this, the, the, the idea that we, we say Russia or the Russians, I, yeah. I did videos mocking that idea because I hate it. Unfortunately, it's just a yeah. term people have been used and now yeah, I'm forced to use it because it does yeah. make it sound like that uh, anyone of Russian nationality is someone to be to beware. It's, it's definitely got, given this whole Russia phobia in this country that's been discussed. Mm -hmm. It's disgusted me. I wish mm -hmm. there was a term to just you know, the, the Russian government would be more accurate. But yeah. but but he's changed now to saying how. Uh, spear phishing emails is no big, really like mocking it. Spear phishing emails is what we consider a big deal. And you know, this is, this is my problem with it. If you're coming out and saying that this Mueller report that we haven't read yet, uh, but from what we know, and I agree with this portion of it, that Mueller was not able, he didn't say no collusion. He didn't say Trump is exonerated. He did from what we understand, apparently in this report asserts that, he was not able to prove that Trump was colluding with Russia. And again, we still need to read it. But my theory, and I've seen this from some of these hardcore Russia skeptics. Now, I'm a Russia gate skeptic, but I'm not one who throws it all out, as you can see with me under, uh, believing the, the Russia email hacks. I've seen people throw it all out, and they say this. And, and, and this is where it gets problem. It, it angers me, actually. That A, they take the fact that there was no collusion between Trump and Russia because Mueller said so as word. That's legit. But then at the same breath, they say, I don't believe the whole indictment thing from Mueller, though, because he was behind WMDs and he's lying about the Russian hacking. And how can you say that? How, like, how can you believe the part, the, the no collusion part, because Mueller's legit, he's the real deal, but then throw away the Russian hacking part of it. 
Because because you have to assess each claim, and this goes far beyond this case, everything in life, based on the available facts that pertain to it, right? So, you know, there are two separate things. One of them is a collusion investigation into whether or not there was a conspiracy between Trump and the Russian government. Another is a, is a cyber crime investigation into what, it's a who hacked some emails. So, you know, in a, just because Mueller uh, reaches one conclusion on one thing, it, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that you then automatically have to believe its conclusion on another. I mean, I don't understand that logic at all. You assess each case based on the available evidence. And the fact is, it's not that I, uh, it's not that I be don't believe that there was a Trump, a Trump Russia conspiracy because Mueller said it. I'm saying, like, I think there wasn't a Trump Russia conspiracy because all the available evidence to date, as I've been assessing, you know, the last for two years in the Nation magazine and elsewhere, just undermines the case for a Trump Russia conspiracy. And I also think that if Mueller thought there was a Trump Russia conspiracy because he'd been trying really hard to find one, he would have alleged it. And so the absence of a collusion uh, uh, allegation by him in his collusion probe does not then say to me that I have to automatically take his word on faith in a email hacking probe. Right, right. I'm not again, I want to say I wasn't speaking of you specifically because you have made it clear that you want to see more evidence related. You weren't ruling it out. What I'm saying is there's there's a contingent of Russiagate skeptics out there <laughs> who are throwing this all to who who don't take who aren't No, doing I'm that. sorry. You're I think you're throwing it together. You're you're making the argument that because uh, Russiagate skeptics accept Mueller's finding that there was no collusion, then that means that, 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 that they're being hypocritical in, in dismissing Mueller when he says that the Russians hacked the emails. Well, I don't see how you think he's lying in one aspect and then not lying in the other. Well, it, it's, it's not about him lying. Oh, what it's I'm saying is there... I'm specifically saying I've seen people bring up the fact... Yeah. That they believe the 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 no collusion aspect of it, uh -huh. but then bring up that Mueller lied about WMDs back when George Bush was president, as reason we should not believe the Russia hacking email side of the report. No, 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 no. The reason to bring up the, the WMD thing is is because when Mueller is held up as this beacon of integrity, who we should all worship who's going to find the truth, you know, and get Trump. You sure? I think it's worth reminding people that Robert Mueller rounded up uh, uh, Muslim immigrants after 9-11 and, and unlawfully jailed them. And that Robert Mueller, when the Bush administration was trying to make the, its phony case for the Iraq war, went before Congress and said that uh, Iraq has WMDs and the FBI is concerned that Saddam's going to pass them to terrorists. You know, it's it's worth it's worth bringing that up. Right. But and, then but then where's why? Why? Why not believe that mother fucked up the collusion aspect of it, too? And there is collusion between Trump and Russia. Well, OK. I mean, that's possible. Sure. I mean, that's but no possible, one's arguing that of, on the Russian. No, but the, but, the, but, the, but the problem is. But then, but then you're ignoring the fact that Mueller aggressively per, pursued the collusion angle. He charged people. He but, charged people. He charged people with stuff that, like, uh, previous prosecutors had had declined. Like, for example, Manafort was investigated before all this on the same on the same on the same issues. They didn't they didn't indict him then. Mueller needed something here, so he got Manafort on this Ukraine tax and and uh, bank fraud case well, uh, they I, I went don't... after roger stone they went after michael flynn they indicted michael flynn wait so uh, you, really 
you think I didn't know? I, you think that's all bullshit that he 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 went after them for all that stuff? I I mean it's it's I'm not calling it bullshit. I'm saying none of none of these crimes would have been charged if Hillary Clinton had won the election. Right. Um, there's it's just no un- way. It's unfortunate because, because they they're not pro Hillary Clinton. I mean it's a. It's to me. I mean, the investigation to me is a great success. Might not have found out. Not, might have dis- might, might not have discovered Trump and Russia colluded. But the fact that people went down for major financial crimes. Uh, one is, person. Is a- oh, one person basically. Manafort and Cohen. Yeah. I mean, look. Uh, I mean, I guess you can look at these cases. I mean, I've heard this talking point. I've seen a few articles about it. I think written saying that saying that oh, like like Russia Gate is great because look, it uncovered. White collar corruption. Well, okay, but then look at the consequence. Uh, is it worth the consequences? Is it worth channeling liberal hopes into a conspiracy theory for two years, uh, sidelining attention and energy and mobilizing against Trump's actual policies, all of which got ignored because we all we all got convinced that and and we all got caught up in this effort to prove Trump as a Russian agent. Is it worth ignoring that Trump has been escalating tensions with Russia, tearing up the INF treaty, trying to overthrow a government in Venezuela? Uh, you know, uh, drastically ex- increasing military spending and, and saying that Russia is part of the cause with the support of leading Democrats like Adam Schiff. So, I mean, if you want to say that like a couple of white collar cases like Paul Manafort, which by, by the way, will probably get pardoned anyway, which which revealed that he was a shady lobbyist in, in Ukraine and and Michael Cohen, which wasn't Mueller, but it got spun up from Mueller that he had like some shady stuff going on with his taxi business like. If you think all that's worth it, I I I think I think Russia Gate's one of the biggest catastrophes and self owns in in political history. I, I think liberals have handed Trump a massive reelection gift, which he can now feature in his campaign ads as he's doing, because he can claim exoneration on collusion. So now all of a sudden, you know, uh, no collusion goes from being something that everybody mocks to being like a actual vindicated fact. You know, I, so I. I think Russiagate's been a nightmare, and I, I haven't even scratched the surface of like I think the consequences. But but here's that thing again, where 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 you know you said I'm throwing everything together in that aspect with the Mueller report, but I think you're throwing everything together here, and I think this is again one of these issues where I think everyone's got it so wrong because every little issue requires some nuance here, and I think the fact that the media screwed this up and Democrats. Again, Democrats who were in charge of the Russia, uh, the the Russia aspects of this stuff, the shifts, the Schumers. I agree, but I mean the argument that Russia Gate's been on everyone's mind when we have seventeen, eighteen Democratic candidates out there right now who have barely who from the the minute- thankfully yes thankfully they're ignored they've ignored Russia Gate and thankfully if you're a Democrat. The Democratic candidates in the midterms ignored Russiagate. Right. But what does it say about our politics that the prevailing uh, uh, that the top uh, preoccupation by our political and media class for two years is completely divorced from actual people's concerns? And what impact might that have on our ability to organize a real resistance to Trump and actually win over people that need to be won over who either voted for Trump in, in 2016 and can and can be reached over to voting against them, which, like it or not, will have to be done because you can't just win with the Democratic Party base, obviously. Right. Um, well, I disagree. Actually, and, I think and, you also, could win. and also convincing people who didn't vote at all to yes, get involved in politics. Go. Right. So, if the political and media class 
on the liberal side is devoting all of its energy to a conspiracy theory. That conspiracy theory fails. What is the consequence of that? And what is the consequence of, of not spending time organizing people around actual issues that, that impact their lives? And unfortunately, you know, that's, that's a consequence of Russiagate that we can't see right in front of us. But one thing we can see, for example, is, is I'll, I'll ask you a question. What do you think had bigger protests in the streets? Um, the tax cut under Trump? The biggest upward transfer of wealth in U.S. history, this this tax heist, basically, uh, or the fact that Jeff Sessions was fired, which, which got bigger liberal protests in the streets? Probably Sessions. I mean, okay. So what does that so what does that say right. about I, I, the state of uh, uh, of liberal uh, of liberal politics and the resistance that we're marching over the firing of a racist attorney general because we think it's going to threaten the Mueller probe, even though, by the way. Behind the scenes during all this time, Trump's lawyers were pursuing a strategy of full cooperation. So while everyone was so concerned by Trump's tweets making attacking Mueller and the 12 angry Democrats, Trump and his team were fully cooperating. So basically, Trump scammed the media yet again in thinking that he well, was going to like – I don't know about fully cooperating. So anyway, so what does it say though, that we have bigger protests over the firing of Jeff Sessions, Jeff Beauregard Sessions, bigger protests over that? than over the biggest upward transfer of wealth in U.S. history. Don't you think that's going to ha maybe have a negative impact on on our ability to be a real resistance and to win over people who don't give a shit about this stupid spy thriller that is preoccupying Washington elites? I, listen, I agree with that without a doubt. And I, I but my, my question here actually is, so you, you yes, uh, I guess like, this is a yes or no basically. Do you think that there should have been no investigation into whether Trump possibly colluded with Russia from the very beginning? Okay. The initial Trump-Russia investigation, the one that began in July, on July 31st, 2016, or possibly earlier, we don't really know, it's bullshit. It's completely baseless. If you want to make the argument to me why you think it was legitimate to open up a counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign back then based on George Papadopoulos and Carter Page and the Steele dossier, a dossier paid for by the Clinton campaign, Okay, we we can have that argument. I'm happy to have it. No, do I, I think the do I think the Mueller probe was legit? I mean, I think that it was like I don't think there was a basis for it. I think there should have been a commission of inquiry. I think I think like I mean I'm 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 happy it happened because there were so many questions I guess around Trump and Russia, but it's like the problem is part of part of this was engineered by people in the FBI who don't like Donald Trump, not because they're woke, because they're worried about his policies, but because they didn't like the fact that he was right. that he said nice things about Vladimir Putin. Right. So do I think that's a legitimate re basis for a counterintelligence investigation? No, I don't. I mean, A, I just can't be a hypocrite. Even though I don't like Trump, I can't justify an investigation of him uh, on any grounds. And also, if we as progressives are co-signing that, then we're basically saying the FBI, you know what? If you don't like the foreign policy views of a presidential candidate, Go ahead and investigate them. So go ahead and investigate Tulsi Gabbard. Go ahead and investigate Bernie Sanders. And I, I'm not going to do that. But do I think that uh, we we needed some kind of inquiry? Uh, you know, uh, yes, I do. And, and so you know, right. like I'm I'm happy the Mueller investigation happened, just because it would be good to get to the bottom of what happened. But I guess what I'm saying is, I wish that investigation had also included, um, which is now unfortunately happening now under. Attorney General William Barr, which they're going to use to help Trump's reelection campaign. 
an, an investigation as to what led the FBI to open up in the initial investigation into whether or not the Trump campaign was conspiring with Russia because it was baseless. And we know from the FISA warrant uh, uh, filed against Carter Page, a, a former Trump campaign volunteer, that they based it on the Steele dossier. And they said in that FISA warrant, the FBI said, this is in late 2016, that they believe Carter Page is coordinating between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. And their top source for that was a Steele dossier, a piece of opposition research paid for by the Democrats. Right. So it's like, you know, whether you like, you know, like whether you hate Trump or not, and, you know, I, I hate everything the Trump administration stands for. But are we really going to co-sign that kind of behavior? I mean, really? I mean, it's a joke. And so and can I say that that was credible and legitimate? No, I can't. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's like and now uh, because we uh, it, things are so partisan and because, you know, part of this resistance thing and this Russiagate thing has meant that liberals have to, like, walk in lockstep with intelligence officials and defend their every move. Now the Republicans are going to use this. They're actually because William Barr has said, you know, this week that he is launching an investigation into the origins of the Trump of the Trump Russia investigation. They're going to find some damning stuff, and Trump will use that. And this is another reason why I, I've I've warned for two years that this whole thing stood to be a massive gift to Donald Trump. So, for everyone who was accusing me and Michael Tracy of supporting Donald Trump, I think they had it in reverse that all of this stood once it finally collapsed because it was based on a conspiracy theory. And opposition research paid for by Steele. Once it collapsed, it was going to hand Trump a very big gift, as we're seeing now. Right. Listen, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think, like, like I said when I reached out to you, that we're we're probably lock in step with like ninety eight percent of what's going on here. But what 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 I think is, you know, I I personally think that, and I agree with everything you said about uh, certain starting points for the investigation. I do think it was necessary. The starting point. Of the, the, the starting. Point the starting point in July 2016, right? But I'm talking about when Mueller came on board, in uh, when, when Trump uh, had Mueller come on. Um, I, you know, I think it was necessary to to look into because I think it's very legitimate to to look at how Trump was acting in 2016 and think something wasn't on the up and up. And if the guy's president of the United States. I think it needs to be looked into, and I personally. Uh, oh, is he actually 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 about actually 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 there was legitimate reason, I think, from everything that was going on, not what Trump was saying, from everything that was going on, that there was some sort of working together of the Trump campaign and Russia. From the very beginning, hold on, you, you, you're, you broke, uh, I can't hear you. Having some uh, mic troubles there. Okay, I'm back. Am I back? Yeah, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit staticky and uh, noisy. But if, if that's all we got, that's fine. Okay, I'm going to try this one more time. Okay, I'm back again. Yeah, okay, cool. That sounds yeah. good. No, but the thing is, there was no working together between the Trump campaign and Russia. There was the, the silliest tip uh, uh, from George Papadopoulos, this nobody, low-level volunteer. He told this Australian diplomat that some weird professor told him that the Russians might have compromising information on Hillary Clinton. 
that became the basis, according to the official story, which I don't actually believe. But we're told that was the tip that launched this counterintelligence probe when they, you know, uh, of of the Trump campaign in Russia. And the fact is, during the same time, the FBI was getting the Steele dossier, this stupid Democratic Party uh, funded uh, opposition uh, research that alleged that Trump uh, was in a high level conspiracy with Russia, that the Russians had a, a P tape uh, of Trump, that Carter Page was offered billions of dollars by the Russian government if he could lift sanctions. It, it was it was bullshit. And so to say that that was a legitimate grounds to open up an investigation, it, it's it's a joke. It, it it really is. And and that part of it I think is just indefensible. Now because they generated all this uh, hoopla, and because by the way. Uh, whoever in the government didn't like Trump leaked some really damaging and false stuff. Like in February of 2017, before Mueller was appointed, the New York Times reported. And I, if anyone who doesn't know the story, they should look it up. And by the way, I'm going to have to go soon. So we should think about wrapping up. But the FBI reported that there were, uh, that there was, uh, intercepts of Trump campaign officials talking to senior Russian intelligence officials. Okay. And, uh, and, and there was, including Paul Manafort, and there was like the senior Russian intelligence officials, okay, and and they're saying that that these calls were were picked up. Wow, that's a crazy claim. It was in the New York Times. That that so yes, that that sounds sketchy. But the problem is it was bullshit. It wasn't true. James Comey, when he was testifying under oath four months later in June 2017, he was asked about it. He said in the main it was not true, and nothing has ever been corroborated about it. New York Times has never corrected it. But it's what I'm saying is there were some people inside the government who obviously didn't like Trump, didn't like that he was saying nice things about Russia, and they were trying to uh, sabotage him. Now, is that a legitimate basis to open up an investigation because some unelected bureaucrats no. and, and the FBI don't like Trump and don't like the fact that he's nice to Putin? It, it's not. Right. But then there's the evidence of the meetings at Trump Tower. There was evidence of Trump having some sort of financial ties that involved uh, Russian officials in terms of uh, you the, scratch the, my the back, I scratch Trump yours. Tower, the meeting at Trump Tower, first of all, according to everything we know, was not even the basis for an investigation. That only came out afterwards. And it partly came out because the Trump organization submitted documents. It submitted emails and it submitted dis- disclosure forms that helped congressional investigators uh, uh, figure out that this Trump Tower meeting happened. And that's why that's how it got leaked and that's how it became a big thing. And that's when Mueller started investigating it. There's no actual hint at all that that was ever being investigated before it came out publicly in June, in whatever it was, June of 2017. And and if you look at the details of that, that's basically them accepting uh, a meeting uh, on behalf of a music publicist to meet with some Russians. And yeah, you know, the Rob Goldson, the publicist, said that the Russians had dirt on behalf of the Russian government. And that looks really bad. And it looks it looks bad on Donald Trump that he accepted it and said, I love it. But none of those Russians had any actual connection to the Russian government. They weren't acting on the Russian government's behalf. Uh, and uh, and that's why nobody in that meeting, even though everyone's been most of them, at least have been, have been interviewed by both Mueller and Congress. Nobody was indicted for perjury uh, because their story checks out. It was a music publicist, Rob Goldstone, basically, as he says, by his own account, he made it all up about the Russian government and the crown prosecutor. There's an NPR story, we can Google it, where like Rob Goldstone, and it just basically says that Rob Goldstone says, I had no idea what I was talking about. 
And based on all we know, that's very plausible. Right. And my, me bringing these things up is not me saying, because again, you could go back to the podcast episodes I'm talking about earlier from over a year ago now. And I said that uh, the odds of there being any sort of collusion between Trump and Russia is, is nil, in my view. And that anything that would be discovered, if there was any collusion, would have been from someone else in the Trump campaign, probably without <coughs> Trump's, Trump's awareness. Um, but I do bring it up because I do think the fact that these things were out there and the fact that we now know that there was no collusion, I think we wouldn't have known these things if there wasn't some sort of investigation. That's all my argument is. Right, but the thing is we also wouldn't have even known to think that these things could have happened if not for some really shady uh, intelligence officials leaking false information uh, and acting really overzealously on Democratic Party-funded opposition research and some failed neoliberal Democratic Party elites needing somebody to blame and deciding to blame Russia for their for their loss and Comey as well, but but making Russia this huge thing and deciding that a conspiracy theory was a great way for them to resist Trump for two years instead of being an actual real opposition party that presents concrete alternatives to Trump's policies. Right. And what about what about just just remember this and then we could wrap it up right after this um, if you have a minute, a couple minutes more. Um, what about though those those if I remember correctly, wasn't Jared Kushner setting up uh, or attempting to set some sort of back channel communications up with certain individuals? Okay, so this is an example where you have basically in in conspiracy theory culture, okay, you know, any development will be used as fodder to advance the conspiracy theory. And the 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 countervailing information will just be ignored. Okay? So there's all these different pillars of the Trump Russia conspiracy theory. There's Trump Tower meeting. There's Trump Tower Moscow, right? And, 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 you know, like, it's fine to investigate all these lines of inquiry. I'm not against it. But the problem is that all these things survive because those who peddle it to us constantly on, on MSNBC and in the Washington Post, New York Times, they just simply ignore the countervailing uh, evidence. And so in the case of Kushner, uh, he's testified to Congress this, uh, and he testified this to Mueller as well. And note that with Mueller wrapping up his probe, Kushner was not indicted for perjury on any count. Basically, Kushner, Kushner says that uh, in the weeks after the election, he had all these different meetings with foreign officials because that, that's what happens when you're in a transition. Everyone wants to talk to you. And he spoke to the Russian ambassador. And the Russia, a big priority at that time for Russia was, the, was Syria because for you know years, the U.S. and Russia were on the opposite side of a proxy war um, where the Russia was backing the Assad regime U.S. was was launch it was helping wage the proxy war via backing uh, rebels along with its its Gulf allies in, in Turkey, and basically Trump had campaigned on ending the proxy war, getting out of Syria, saying it was expensive and it wasn't working, which by the way I think explains some of the animus that certain intelligence officials like John Brennan had for Trump. Again, not because they're woke, but because they were mad that Trump was saying bad things about their about their proxy war in Syria. Um, and so basically, you know, the Russians knew this, and so they wanted to pursue avenues of cooperation, just like, by the way, that they actually had with Obama, because Obama tried to cooperate with Russia in Syria a little bit, but that got sabotaged by the Pentagon, which is another story. But anyway, so the Russians were trying to restart that with Trump. And so Kushner was talking to the Russian ambassador, who said to him that the, uh, Russian generals would like to speak to the Trump transition about uh, Syria uh, because we, you know, we want to change things there and, and, and we want to discuss, you know, like like our ideas for Syria. 
And uh, do you have a um, secure facility in the Trump Tower in, in Trump Tower where we can talk to you on a secure line? And Kushner said, knowing that Syria was something that Trump wanted to work with with Russia on, he said, no, we, I'll, like, uh, we don't have that in Trump Tower, but if you have that in your embassy, maybe uh, we can come talk to you there. And the Russian ambassador said, no, well, we actually don't even have that in ours, so forget it. And by all accounts, that's where it stopped, and there was no actual communication. So basically, whether you think, I mean, like you might say that it was inappropriate for Kushner to, to suggest that these talks happen, although, you know what, I don't think they're that unusual because foreign officials communicate with transitions all the time. When, when Obama was coming into office for the first time, uh, it, I think it's pretty likely that his team communicated to the Israelis to stop their massacre uh, in Gaza that was going on at the time because Obama didn't want to take to be inaugurated with the massacre in Gaza still going on. One of the one of the Israel one of the Israeli invasions of Gaza that was happening then. So these kind of contacts happen, and the 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 fact that Kushner. Uh, says that the Russian ambassador um, had proposed these these talks first about Syria kind of gets left out of the story. And the fact that Kushner wasn't indicted for any of this stuff, uh, for saying this to Congress and to Mueller, also gets left out. So it's like there are a million things that, you know, can be constructed to fit a conspiracy theory. But it just it, it requires uh, ignoring and not digging for, you know, the 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 full story, like the full picture. Now, now, I know you said you have to go, so let's let's wrap it up here with um, <coughs> with the social media aspect of this all. But I also I also want to say really quickly that I I do think that if the idea is that because you brought this up before and it's been in my head here, so we could maybe wrap it up with this. We both think the social media aspect is a joke, so we could end it there, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but my, my thing is that if the argument is, and this we could wrap it up with this. My argument is is that. If people don't know, are you one of these people who think that this this whole Russiagate conspiracy is on the level of the lies about the Iraq war and weapons of mass destruction? I think this, as Matt Taibbi says, I think the scale of the media failure is on that level in terms of just the actual, the, the dereliction of journalistic standards. Now, obviously, as Matt Taibbi also says, you you, you can't possibly compare them in terms of the human cost you know right. it's not so it's not this is not like you know one of the biggest crimes of the last 50 years i mean which the iraq war was so no you can't compare it that way but in terms of from a from a media malpractice point of view the you know basic uh violation of uh, of journalistic standards where basically all the countervailing evidence that didn't match the conspiracy theory was ignored and for two years uh, this conspiracy theory was hyped up and this picture of this Russian menace destroying our country through hacked emails and, and stupid social media posts. I mean, that is a, I mean, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've seen in my lifetime because I mean, at least with Saddam Hussein, he was a bad guy. Like he was a dictator, you know? And so even though it was bullshit, it was like conceivable that maybe, I don't know, it's, it, it was, it was like within the realm of possibility that he might have weapons of mass destruction, even though, I mean, it was a scam and all the evidence said it wasn't. But in this case, we've made a conspiracy theory that has no basis, our dominant preoccupation for two years. Uh, we've turned, you know, Russian social media uh, posts and email hacking, 
alleged email hacking into Pearl Harbor and 9-11. I mean, so the whole thing has like been this giant, in that respect, a huge scam. And so in this, in terms of a, the, from the media's point of view, uh, it's, I think as bad as the Iraq war and if not worse because it's actually gone on for longer and way more of the media has been has bought into it because it wasn't just mainstream media even leftist adversarial media has bought into Russia gate too well, so I mean in, you know I sort of you know I, I absolutely obviously agree that in terms of scale of human cost and everything it's not even <laughs> close but I also don't think listen I think a lot of the coverage that was actually not as crazy as it, it's it's been seen like i do think a lot of the media like to me the cnn going up to to randos who like the facebook event or something like that after it was found out that the, the internet research agency was behind setting up the event on facebook like, that's ridiculous that part doesn't matter that's ridiculous that's so stupid why are you going up to some random american citizen and, and going ah you liked an event from russia of course that's bullshit um, but a lot of that also is just like, you know, cable news and, and, and stuff like that. And of course, cable news is media accounts. But when I just remember weapons of mass destruction, man, that was just spoken of as word. Like that was, there are weapons of mass destruction. When I read, you know, the New York times on the Russia collusion, the Mueller report, uh, it's it's worded in the correct fashion many times, if not all the time. If you're well, now they have to accept the fact that it's over. That they that you know because Mueller's report is done, he's indicted zero people for the conspiracy for the Trump Russia conspiracy that everyone's been talking about for two years, and his report concludes that there was no Trump Russia conspiracy. So now the 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 facade is over. But for two years, no, you had credulous reporters publishing, you know what. Uh, congressional uh, Democrats and intelligence officials with their own partisan and and political motives were giving them uh, all these things, you know, and all like like the story I mentioned before of senior Russian intelligence officials talking to Trump uh, to talking to Trump campaign officials. Like, where's that? Where was the where was the indictment that showed that? You know, and and, and it, it, there wasn't because it wasn't true, as Comey said later on. So you had a bunch of false stories and a bunch of med- and, and media outlets peddling them. And, you you know, you had things like, you know, Russia hacking the Vermont uh, power grid. And, um, you know, that had to be retracted. I mean, the BuzzFeed story about uh, uh, Trump ordering Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. Oh, it turns out that actually uh, like the Mueller report shot that uh, the Mueller team shot that down. And then Michael Cohen later came out and said that he was never explicitly ordered. He just kind of intuited from Trump's uh, public messaging that Trump wanted him to lie in a very minor way, by the way. So, I mean, there's been story after story that's either been uh, uh, unsubstantiated or discredited and and this had to be retracted. So I just I mean, sure, there's been some good stories, I guess. But, you know, like on the grand balance of things, especially given the result, which is like no conspiracy, a case that gave us a bunch of process crimes, you know, people like, like George Papadopoulos, the whole genesis of the probe, apparently he he spent 12 days in jail for lying about his contacts with that professor Masood, uh and, you know, and trying to and like, you know, about and and like um, about his, who who who. This guy Masood, who really, by all accounts, knew nothing, and so you know, it's just, it's like, 
story after story is a joke and doesn't lead anywhere. The only guy, the only real story I think is the fact was when it came out that Trump was trying to build a tower in Moscow, and he didn't say that when he was on the campaign trail, which you know I think underscores that Trump is a shady guy. Underscores that he saw the campaign as a branding opportunity, right. and I, which I also think that helps explain all these nice things he was saying about Vladimir Putin. But the fact that he was trying to use the campaign to build a, tr- a Trump Tower in Moscow, and by the way, that Trump Tower in Moscow ne- never came close to happening because the Trump organization didn't even know who to talk to inside Russia, in, inside the Russian government. Uh, then that also then undermines the conspiracy theory. So the one story that might be you know interesting also happens to undermine the conspiracy theory that it came out of. Right, right, right. But I mean, a lot of those reports, I, I mean, if, uh, uh, if, a, if, a, congr- if, the, if a, a congressman is saying something, I, I think it's legitimate reporting to go ahead and say that this congressman said, said what this congressman said. Uh, well, and- no, but that's not what's happening. Anonymous uh, congressmen, I'm talking about Adam Schiff, I think especially, were leaking stuff that selectively painted a picture of a Trump-Russia conspiracy which then allowed Adam Schiff to go on TV and say things like, I've seen more than circumstantial evidence of collusion. I just can't tell you what it is yet. Uh, and they painted a picture that Trump and Russia were in cahoots. But again, the grand result is that nothing substantial emerged and all of it collapsed, everything. The Roger Stone indictment. I mean, when Roger Stone was indicted, that was deemed as damning for Trump. It didn't occur to people to read the actual indictment and learn a few things. One, it showed that the Trump campaign tried to get information from Roger Stone after the the WikiLeaks emails were first announced showing that they had no privileged information sorry that issue's happening again with the mic there we go it's gone i think you just have like a a loose usb cord or something but it's working now yeah okay and and two the fact that they were relying on Roger Stone showed that they had no actual contact to WikiLeaks because Roger Stone had no contacts in WikiLeaks. He was a scam artist. And so the fact that Roger I mean, that's a perfect example. You have a scam artist, Roger Stone, being taken seriously for two years, the subject of constant uh, speculation articles in the New York Times. Was he the Trump? Uh, was he the intermediary between Trump and WikiLeaks? It's a joke. And then and the fact that Stone's sources are these two kooky people. One of them is this far-right conspiracy theorist, Jerome Corsi. Another one is a comedian, Randy Credico, who's a left-winger who hosts a show on WBAI in New York. And we're supposed to take all this seriously as if these are the figures in a grand international uh, uh, email hacking scheme. I mean, it's a joke. And I think I can't think of a perfect example to underscore what a joke it is. All right. I, I think that's I, – you know, I think I agree with the majority of that. Um, I, my, my, I guess to end it here, my, my feeling is this. Um, I think there, the, the idea that this is, listen, the media definitely failed in many aspects and I've made fun of a lot of the grifters, a lot of the more conspiratorial stuff, but I also think a lot of the stuff was reported, uh, well, just because it ended up being, um, wrong doesn't mean necessarily the reporting was bad if it said this is allegedly what happened. Um, you know, I think the nation does good work and they retracted that VPS. No, they had to add a note to that uh, VPS story. Wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. You're, you're, I can't hear you. Correct, they didn't retract it. Right. I, I misspoke. They didn't retract it, but they added a note. 
because it turned out that there were other people within the same group basically yeah. saying that we the, disagree with this. The nation did what 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 every outlet should have done, which they, which they hosted a debate on this issue. And, you know, I mean, maybe in the initial article, they they in fact, they should have in the initial article featured the dissenting voices inside. this. Right. You know, uh, th- but, you know, so the nation, to its credit, then acknowledged that and, right. and hosted a forum, you know. Right. Which, Which is what I was saying before. It should have happened everywhere. It shouldn't have just been on the nation to g- gather, you know, this debate. The, the other outlets could have consulted with experts, and there are experts who, you know, not just in VIPs who have questioned the Russia angle, like like the Russia. So anyway, you know, right. and that's part of the problem is the Russia Gate, the reporting on it, uh, and the 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 punditocracy, the the punditry on it, totally excluded dissent. Totally excluded countervailing evidence. That's why you know none of us skeptics were ever invited on to MSNBC or CNN, while you had this like parade of people who got it totally wrong. Who were right, but belie- I, what, what I'm trying to end it here, and I com- I agree with you on that. But what I'm trying to end it here with is that um, that I think this whole viewpoint is is so this so is of how the media failed on this is so CNN and MSNBC centric that. I, I don't see how one could argue that this is a big fail that's going to reelect Trump uh, because of the media's failures on this. But we, I think it's going to. I think it's going to. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's going to reelect him. I think it's. This will help his reelection. I think it's. That's unmistakable. He's been granted for two years the prevailing focus of the of the uh, liberal media and political class has been a conspiracy theory. They promised their followers it would bear fruit. They raised expectations. That's why everyone was talking about, you know, Mueller time, and everyone thought Trump was going to uh, be led out of the White House in handcuffs, at least amongst the well, liberal base. Well, that's ridiculous, obviously, right? Okay, and but- so these people have built up expectations, and now it's collapsed. It's crum- It's going to keep crumbling because the report hasn't even come out yet. But it's I mean- going to get worse, and this will give Trump ammunition to into heading into 2020. And meanwhile, Democrats will have lost all the time they've spent. You know, t- uh, uh, worrying about Mueller and marching for Mueller and trying to prove this stupid conspiracy theory was time and energy wasted on building an opposition to Trump's actual policies and winning over people that will need to be won over to defeat him in 2020. I, I, I was worried about that, too, but I, I just don't think that's what we're seeing. I think regardless of all this that happened, I think the majority people uh, don't care. And uh, aside well, from good. the... Uh, yeah, I, hope you're I, right. do, I do think that. I I, I, I I hope you're right, and you know we should end on the note because I I really got to run. All right, cool, man. Uh, Aaron, thank you uh, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You could find Aaron's work in the Nation, and you can follow him on Twitter. Go ahead and uh, throw out your Twitter name, Aaron. It's uh, Aaron J Mate. I really appreciate you uh, joining me today. MSNBC should have had you on to give a dissenting voice for sure, uh, but you're always welcome on this show. <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate that. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Thanks, man. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, gonna just close the Skype here. Doot, doot. And um, listen, I had Aaron on because I think of the loudest of the Russiagate skeptics. I think, um, you know, and I hate using that term because I am a Russia was a Russiagate skeptic. I, I, the the people who I'm calling Russiagate skeptics when I'm saying Russiagate skeptics are the ones who've been in the forefront since this Mueller report came out. Listen, I don't give a shit. I don't think it's that big of a deal at this point because my worry was always 
how this was going to just envelop the Democratic Party uh, base's mind. And that's all people were going to be talking about. And once I saw that that was completely not happening, that that was falling apart. And if you need proof of that, the proof of that, and the, and I didn't get a chance to argue this with Aaron because he had to jump, but what I was saying at the end there is that if you need proof of that, there is no more proof you need than the fucking 17 Democratic candidates running right now barely mentioning, if mentioning, Russia at all. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple that that's the proof. Because if they felt that the Democratic base was foaming from the mouth over this Russiagate stuff, then for the primary, they would be hitting it nonstop. That's all that would matter. But instead, what's become the major issues that we're seeing these 17 Democratic candidates talk about? Medicare for all. uh, uh, Tuition-free college. uh, Hell, even the APAC issue with how uh, Ilhan Omar's been treated by... Uh, the right wing, and many of the Democratic Party leaders. That's become a major issue, rightfully so. More so than Russia. I, I think, to me, that is the biggest, um, I don't know, the, the, the biggest tell that this stuff isn't going to matter. And as soon as I saw that was happening, and the... Indictments for the email hacking came out and the uh, social media indictments came out. And for me, the social media stuff has always been bunk. Um, the collusion angle, I really didn't, I really didn't give a shit because I knew it was never going to go back to Trump. You can, you can, no matter what they found, it was Trump was 100% and you could go back and listen to my podcasts over a year ago, year, close to two years ago, I think. Uh, where I said, Trump will never go down for this regardless of whether they find out, uh, regardless of whether they think he colluded or not. There won't be enough proof. If they do think he colluded, they'll, they won't find the proof and they'll be, or they won't find the proof and they'll be unable to argue that he colluded. It was always my viewpoint. And once that other stuff was out of the way, then if the Mueller report dropped and said he colluded. Fine, I would have been shocked. It would have been an interesting uh, change of uh, uh, turn of events. I would have jumped back in, but it was just just unnecessary because I do. And a lot of people on the left felt that way. A lot of people on the left, and when I say left, I don't mean someone watching MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. I mean legitimate leftists, people who uh, are people who you know democratic socialists people who supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, uh, a lot of grassroots activists. That's the left I'm talking about. And a lot of those people from the very beginning were saying that this whole Russiagate thing is over the top. That's just my feelings on it. And listen, I I think Aaron and I probably agree on 98% of things. Um, That 2%, it's pretty big. I think, in terms of, I, I don't think that this whole thing was unnecessary. Uh, I do think the fact that Manafort, Stone, uh, these guys were indicted, and one person was already found to be guilty of what they were indicted for. 
I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, the fact that this wouldn't have happened if Hillary was president, that that that's that shouldn't come into it. That that's, this is and 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 this is where I'm really I really think that the, the the nuance thing comes into it. And and this is the really it's still I, I was hoping my discussion with Aaron would change my mind on this one, but I think this is part of the two percent here. The idea, and I see this argued, like I said, the idea that you can say Mueller is in carried out the collusion part with integrity, but then bring up how he hates Muslims and there's the whole background with him in the WMDs. And that's why you can throw away the Russia hacking angle. How does that make any sense? Either the guy is legit. If you want to argue that he can be correct in one area and there were mistakes made in another area, I think that's a fine argument. But that has nothing to do with his history of being a right-winger, being a Republican. That has nothing to do with his ideology. But that's not what was argued. And that's not what I've never seen argued. I was really, and that's where I was sort of hoping this was going to be in that 98%. I agree with Aaron. I thought he was going to argue that. But unfortunately, it's in the 2% where we don't agree. If you think Robert Mueller is a Republican who can't be trusted, so is lying on the email hacking issue, then you must also assert that there are odds that perhaps he didn't even want to find collusion with Trump and Russia. Because Trump is the head of the Republican Party. It's, it doesn't make any sense to not even have that assertion in the back of your head at the very least. That's, that's, that's where I'm really, like, listen, the, skepti- the, 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 the big Russiagate skeptics probably agree with Greenwald in 98% of things, probably agree with Matt Taibbi in 98% of things. Tracy goes further than all of them. I don't know why the others want to associate with Tracy when it comes to this. And listen, I also think Tracy is not a straight-up Trump supporter like people say. I think he uh, is a, what's the term? Something like a, a helpful fool or something like that. That's not the exact word, f- phrasing. I, having a mental block on that, that term. But I do not understand how you can think that in terms of, and I don't know if Tybee and Greenwald think this, so let's not throw them in here. But it just doesn't make any sense to me. The, the nuanced view here is he can be correct in one angle and gotten the other part wrong based on the information. But that's not the argument. The argument is he has ideologies that would make him want to uh, skew a certain way. Useful idiot. Thank you, uh, contact Boxian. I mean... I don't I don't think it's so crazy to say that if you are asserting that this absolves Trump 100% because Mueller couldn't find collusion. Mueller never says there is no collusion. That's even part of Barr's report. Barr's write-up of it. Then you could assert also that Mueller indicted the Russians based on legitimate evidence. I, I just don't... I, I, I don't see where the, the... 
like I don't see where it doesn't connect. And in no way am I disparaging again my guest. I I brought that up with him. I'm just trying to flesh it out a bit more. Um, and I think he's on point for like I said. Ninety-eight percent of things we're on the same page, but that two percent is 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 big, and I think that's where there's there's some sort of disconnect with 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 the RussiaGate skeptics who have been out there, sort of really harping on this. I don't think it's that big of a deal at this point, and this is coming from someone who I did a video series. I did a a, a three four what was it. Like a three or four <coughs> part video series for Cafe. Uh, it was part of a larger thing. It was like a ten part series altogether on fake news and conspiracies. But about three or four of those episodes were on uh, Russia. And the Louise Mensch one is the one that always comes to mind because that was one I had so much fun doing. Where I ship calling her, I call her the, the, the Democrats version of Alex Jones. She's a grifter. A conspiracy theory, just pushing Russia, Russia, Russia. And she's a joke. And I think there's a lot of people like that. Eric Garland? Malcolm Nance? There's other people whose names can't even come to the top of my head. And then there's people who I think are legit, who messed up in certain aspects, which reporters do sometimes. That's not calling, putting them in the same bucket as a... As a uh, Louise Mensch. But once I saw where this was going, and once these drips of information started coming out, I think it's fair to say that my my worries were were proven to, to, to be nothing to be worried about. The biggest harm to me has nothing to do with Trump, actually. I am not worried Russia is going to reelect Trump. What does worry me, and again, this is something I've been saying, the biggest problem of this Russiagate thing is that I think this country has become xenophobic against Russians. <laughs> I think they hear someone is Russian and they... Oh, you're a Russian in secure cybersecurity? Oh, you're a Russian working in uh, uh, politics? Oh, you're... You've, you went on RT America as a guest? That, that to me, is worrisome. I've been on RT America. I, there's, I have no problem with going on that station. There's nuance there. Should you be listening to that station for analysis on Vladimir Putin and his policies? In Russia? No. Should you be listening into that station for analysis on um, uh, protest movements within America? I think they cover that great. I think they're, they're, they're fantastic on that, those issues. Um, should you know the background as to why they're covering those issues? Of course. But that doesn't reflect their reporting. It reflects why they're covering it. But it doesn't skew their reporting of it. I mean, uh, an RT subsidiary, Rubbly, was the only news organization 
or if you want to not use the word news organization, if, if we want to be careful here, for those who are skeptical of RT, the only media organization with someone who is there at the Ecuadorian embassy in London to catch video footage of Julian Assange being escorted out. So, this is my first Russia episode, Russia-centric episode, in a long time. And I didn't want to do one right after the Mueller uh, report was handed in and all this was going on, because I wanted some more time to take it in and see what the, the, the reactions were. And I thought now was a good time to do the episode. And I think it worked out great with Assange being, uh, you know, if Assange had to be arrested, he picked a perfect day. <laughs> uh, but that's my, that's my feelings on this. And barring new information, I would like to not have another Russiagate-centric episode for a very long time. Because I just, I just don't think it's prevalent anymore. I mean, I, I think it's, it's. If we want to use the terminology that was thrown around during the interview, I think it's a joke that people like Tracy have been out there just obsessed with the fact that they were right about this. It's a it's 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 ridiculous. It's it's they, how do you say you're afraid that the democratic base is going to just be obsessed with Russia because the democrats were obsessed with Russia and that was your criticism of this and then be obsessed with saying nonstop that you're right about Russia gate. It's and I, I, it's, I, I, I just get speechless sometimes here. I, and A-Dub Forever in the chat says, after the Mueller report is released, we can move on. I, 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 I want to hear what's in the Mueller report. But I think we can wait. We, cannot, we, we, we don't have to move on from it, but we can stop talking about this. Because I think everything that's out there is nothing new. And until the report comes out, I just think it's just people are just fellating themselves. <laughs> We're just people are just blowing their, their their they've removed a rib or two, and they're bending over and they're blowing themselves. That's what we're looking at now. Even the people who are wrong are doing that by picking out little things and just nonstop talking about it. It's it's just. Silvery Devil says Tracy deserves credit for being right about this. Tracy Tracy was a skeptic in terms of the collusion angle, like so many people were. Why do people harp on the fact Tracy was right? Because he's the one out there patting himself on the back on top of a fucking mountain, nonstop talking about it? I mean, it's really a joke. Like, if any other reporter was doing that, you would be mocking them. If there was collusion and Rachel Maddow came out on her show saying how she should get a fucking journalism award for being harping on this every night and being right in the end you would say this is ridiculous isn't that how a professional journalist acts it's 
it's and Tracy wasn't right about all this. He actually purposefully ignores the parts he was wrong about. There is that medium post of Michael from Michael Tracy where he asserts that the idea that the Russians hacked the DNC is absurd. Let me see if I could find this medium this medium post. And this, this I didn't get to bring up with Aaron. Let's look at this idea. The DNC emails were leaked, not hacked. If that's your belief, let's just go with it. I don't agree, but let's go with it. Where the fuck did the Podesta emails come from? Where did John Podesta's emails come from? Did Podesta leak his own emails? If your argument is that Seth Rich or someone like Seth Rich working for the DNC had access to these emails because they were an organization and they could get into the email server wherever they hosted their emails, whatever service they were using, Microsoft Outlook, I don't know what they were, I don't recall what they were using, I do know actually, but at the top of my head I can't recall it, I've written about it. Um, whatever they were using, fine, let's go with that. Where the fuck did uh, Podesta's, uh, who, who leaked Podesta's Gmail account? Someone working for Google? Who leaked Podesta's emails? I, I, it's, it's a question that I think should be answered. If you believe, if you're someone who believes that the DNC emails were leaked, right? The chat, John Buckley, the old idiot, clicked on a phishing link. Right, right. We know that. Yes. Did uh, someone working with Podesta send him that phishing link so they could get access to the emails and then leak them internally? No, that's my point. Someone set up that fucking phishing website. So that in and of itself means they weren't leaked. That's my point, everybody. John Buckley says, who cares how we get information? That is, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Uh, listen, I think that the emails were newsworthy. The emails should have been should have been um, covered by the media. The media didn't didn't do anything wrong with covering those emails. But we shouldn't care where it came from. You don't think it matters what the purpose of those emails were. You don't think the fact that Julian Assange threw out all the U.S. cables in 2010 in one big dump and then for the 2016 Podesta emails, he slowly did a drip, drip, drip email release day by day leading up to the day of the election. You don't think that matters? Does it affect the information within the leaks? No. 
again, I think there's some nuance needed here. I mean, I, if if the if the argument is that if, if, again, if the argument again is that Comey affected the election by coming in so late with those email with another Hillary email issue that had nothing to do with Russia, then you don't think that the way those Podesta emails were drip 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 dripped out to lead up to the election that that final those final things the days before the election you don't think that mattered the way those those were released you don't think that serves a purpose. The information still would have been out there if they just released them all in October. But you don't think the fact that they were dripped out affected the way people thought about them? Because they were just constantly in the news, which again, I don't think anything was wrong with that. Yeah, you're a news organization. You have to cover it. It's newsworthy. I don't know. And really, I, it's it's frustrating to cover this because I think there's just it, 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 it's it's frustrating. Anyway, support the show, Patreon.com/slash Matt Binder. Uh, if you liked what you heard tonight, if you want me to continue doing this show, if you'd like to go back in the archives and listen, DoomedPod.com. Uh, there's archives that go beyond when I started doing the YouTube it's, that are just audio. So you do have to go to doom.com or iTunes or Google Play to get the older episodes if you're just tuning in for the first time today. But I would say there's more than half of the t- time I've been doing the show, we've been doing the YouTube live stream. So you're welcome to go back there and just look at the live stream archive as well. Fortunately, the Adam Johnson episode I mentioned uh, multiple times tonight uh, is just an audio uh, episode. Um, but yeah. I, uh, so patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Uh, subscribe to this channel at youtube.com slash Matt Binder. You can also go to this channel by going to doom.tv. Both will forward you to the YouTube channel. Um, leave an iTunes review, leave a five-star review, leave a writing, uh, a written review. Um, we've gone extremely long on this, so to the wonderful Patreon subscribers, we're going to do a Patreon-only episode in the coming week or two. I have to figure out which week is best for me, but which week, which week is best for you guys? Why don't you guys let me know? on the Patreon page or in the Discord chat. And we'll do a full-on live chat episode with you guys where you guys can call in. We should do one of those because there's been a lot of uh, 2020 primary stuff going on and I like doing that stuff with you, the call-ins and stuff. Um, Yeah. This was a great episode of Doomed. It really was my wheelhouse in terms of got conspiracy theories... You got fake news, you got grifters, you got skeptics. This was this was the real deal. Doomed. <laughs> I wasn't so funny this episode. I guess it shows just how angered I've been over these past few weeks. You just see this whole And again, I invited Aaron because I think he's actually been one of the more 
one of the better Russia skeptics in terms of relaying the information, laying out his case, not being so uh, self... Uh, I don't know. I'm tired. He, 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 he didn't go out there and go, I'm right, look at me, look at me. You were all wrong. Maybe he did a little bit, but not as much as some of the others. Um, and of course, if it was all, if it was dumped at once, they'd call, say it was reckless. But no, no, chips, you're wrong here, because the reason for not dumping it all at once would be if you were going to redact, if you were going to be careful with what information was relayed. There was that, that that was not the case here. That was not the case here. I understand what you're saying. And maybe you're right that there would have been people in the media. I mean, you are right. There probably would have been people in the media, non-serious people in the media, who would have asserted that. I'm sure. Just like they are just they're just anti-WikiLeaks, anti-Assange, of course. But people who matter wouldn't make that case because they would know the reality of the situation. Right, Renee? I saw Michael Brooks was in the chat. Right, right, right. That's all, that's all we'll mention about Michael Brooks today. All right, folks. See you all next time. Wait, what was this? Dank says, I th actually thought he was decent on Assange, but I see why you didn't want to spend the whole show going into the nuance of Assange. Well, the, the, the thing that I have the problem with Assange with, he was completely on point with. I, I, there, was no, there, there was no disagreement here. And on the collusion issue, I would say just like he asserted that, that he gave up that I was probably uh, more informed on the hacking and the... the uh, the the email issue and the social media issue of the Russia investigation, I will give up that for sure when we compare the two, he has more knowledge on the collusion angle because I've told you my feelings on the collusion angle. So I didn't really follow it as much as he did for collusion. So I thought that was another good way why we complimented each other because we both combined, I think, had a full purview of the investigation. I thought it was great. I, no, no, no. Even when I disagreed with him, I thought it was very illuminating. Um, and I saw in the chat that there were people saying how he was asserting right after certain points where, you know, areas where assertions were not legitimate, they were area, then there were areas where the assertions were legitimate in his argument. And... I saw there were some areas where I think that was true, but I didn't want to argue that because I did think some of those assertions, just like I was asserting things, I think it's legitimate to make assertions if you have basis for those assertions. That's <laughs> It may be convoluted in certain ways, but I also think it's legitimate. We're talking about indictments, and we're talking about allegations, and we're talking about beyond a reasonable doubt. 
and we're talking about what we can prove the evidence that was found. And we have to remember there was no evidence found that absolves anybody. I don't know how there would be any evidence of that. Bar, I mean, I guess they're thinking about it now. There are certain ways there could have been evidence for that. But again, we're talking about that there was no proof. Not that we found that everyone was vindicated or that certain individuals were vindicated. And I think when we talk about that stuff in a sort of in the conversation, the type of conversation we were having, I think it's legitimate to make some assertions if you have some basis for them. Again, I will admit 100%. I think it's very likely, the, I believe, my personal opinion, and I think the indictments make a good case for it on top of other third-party information I've seen debunking the uh, the people who argue against the indictments. I believe Russia hacked those emails. Whether it was a individual hacker, uh, you can argue that. Mueller's team does not believe that's the case. Mueller believes it was Russian intelligence. Um, you can make that argument, but in the end, those emails were given to or obtained by uh, people in the Russian government who then provided them in a manner so they can be disseminated in a way that hurt, uh, that, that had some effect on the election. And this was never brought up, and we should end it here. Anyone saying there was election, election hacking is a bullshit artist. That is the incorrect way to describe what happened here. Election hacking describes a scenario where someone changed the results of the election outright. Nudging people, trying to convince someone to not vote for somebody is not election hacking. You can argue it's a multitude of other things, but it's not election hacking. Election hacking requires results being changed, someone's vote being changed, whether that's at the ballot box, whether that's uh, in the results in the end, I don't know how you want to describe it. You can describe it in many ways. I think all that would be election hacking. Uh, there's uh, allegations that there were attempts made to do that, unsuccessful attempts made to do that. But the indictments, what we know, the email hacking, the social media shit posting, all that stuff, then is not election hacking. And I think we should end it on that because I think that's been a term thrown around that just another thing that pisses me off. And I wish I brought that up with Aaron because I think we would have bumped up where we would agree to 98.5% of things. <laughs> right, Chips. Russia hacked our elections. I want to scream when I hear that shit. Right, right, right. Listen, I'm sure there'll be people who had issue with what I said. I'm sure there'll be people who have issue with what Aaron said. Fortunately, that's the whole bottom line here until we know a little bit more. And I hope to not talk about this all that much until we know more. See you all next time. Make sure you subscribe on Patreon if you can, if you like. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. See you all next time.
Undoomed. Rush.